I have uh, been doing a series, uh, this is lesson number six, entitled Transformation. How many know God wants to change who you are and how you do life? So we've been talking about that in various ways, and uh, we had a guest speaker last week, so uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, my, my message today is uh, an offshoot of, of two weeks ago. I didn't get through with what I was talking about, and we're talking about the fact that we are living, how many believe that we're living in the days just prior to Jesus coming back? Uh, the signs of the times are incredible. In fact, if you know anything about the Old Testament and, uh, and what the Bible, what the prophets said about uh, the time before the return of the Messiah, or we know him as Jesus the Christ, then, uh, you know, there are probably 30, uh, in my studies, I found about 30 scriptures or so that revealed that, that the nation of Israel, which had been scattered for almost 2,000 years worldwide, would come back together on the land that God promised their forefather Abraham, and they would develop a nation once again just before the Messiah returned. That happened 10 years before I was born. In 1948, Israel became a nation again. Now, you know, that is a big deal. You say, why is that such a big deal? It tells us that the coming of Jesus is very, very soon. 1967, Israel reoccupied Jerusalem and regained, uh, regained authority over Jerusalem. That was a big deal. First time in almost 2,000 years that happened. In uh, May of 2018, another big deal. You may not realize it. The United States moved their uh, embassy, their Israeli, their American embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Y'all, that is a really big deal. Let me tell you what else is going to be happening. Now, how many know God loves everybody and God loves Jewish people? Not all the Jewish people have accepted Jesus as their personal Messiah. There's a blindness that has been on them. But they're going to come to Jesus one of these days. But God's going to allow the Jewish temple, which actually uh, was there in Jerusalem for hundreds and hundreds of years, to be rebuilt just before Jesus comes back. And y'all, all of the things for that to occur are in play. And if you know anything about the Bible, again, we're right on the heels of Jesus' return. And how many know it's time to get ready? So, you know, I mentioned two weeks ago, the apostle, the uh, disciples asked Jesus, what's it going to be like just before you return? What's the world going to look like? The first thing Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 4, he said, take heed or be aware that no one deceive you. So Jesus said the first thing you need to be aware of is that deception will be at an all-time high just before I return. The spirit of Antichrist or that person that rises up as a global leader that is against Christ, against Christianity, against Judaism, against uh, all things God the Father. Uh, he said uh, he will be uh, overseeing great, tremendous deception. The apostle Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 4, writing to a young man, Timothy, about the end times, said this about that era of time that Jesus mentioned uh, to the disciples in Matthew 24. In 1 Timothy 4, he says, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed. At the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith, one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception, he calls it, and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many and their consciences won't bother them at all. So again, uh, Paul reiterates to Timothy what Jesus said to the disciples, deception will be at an all-time high. The prophet Isaiah uh, 2,500 2, years ago said something perhaps about the day that we're living in today in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. How many know that's deception? And that's what 
Isaiah was talking about. And I, I, if you weren't here two weeks ago, my encouragement, go, go to our website, check out the MP3, the MP4. We got video and audio. And also my notes are available from two weeks ago because uh, I said a whole lot about the deceptions that we are having to deal with. And particularly in American culture today, it seems as though we're in a free fall in so many ways. And one of them is as a result of deception. Let me also mention that my notes today are on version. If you've heard of the version app for Bible app, if you'll turn that on, you can actually see the notes that I'm speaking from. I normally don't get to cover everything in my notes as I don't have time, but uh, I, they're, they're available to you. If you open the version app, click more on the bottom right, and then there'll be another menu for the next screen. Right in the middle, it says events. Click on events. A map of Raleigh will show up, and you'll see Victory Church at the bottom. If you'll click that little flag where it says Victory Church, you'll see my notes. So Anyway, if you want to follow along, feel free to do that. Deception is, uh, is the order of the day. And I mentioned, you know, there's, there's, there's deception on a grand scale. Everything you hear often is, uh, is, is, is um, predicated on a, a belief system that may or may not be correct. How many hear what I'm saying? So everything you see in print, everything you hear on the news, I mean, how many know propaganda is really the order of the day? How many hear me? And I talked about that in detail two weeks ago. I'm not going to go there again. There's another uh, area of deception that is huge, really, worldwide. And it's an offshoot of uh, paganism that has risen back up again. If you go study history, the history of cultures worldwide, uh, uh, cultures in Africa, the Horn of Africa, the Top of Africa, cultures in the Middle East, cultures in Europe, in history, you'll find that paganism and the worship of false gods was rampant in cultures in history. You'll also find that Baal was one of the gods that was worshipped by cultures in history. In fact, cultures in history, they believed that they believed in invisible forces that ruled the seen world so they would have a god of the sun a god of the moon a god of the stars a, a god of the uh, a god of weather a god of rain a god for crops a god for their, their animals a god for for procreation and uh and they also had fertility gods and baal was one of the fertil- fertility gods that was worshiped for Man, honestly, thousands of years in these regions of the world, this Baal has this, this demonic force called Baal. How many know the apostle Paul said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and demonic forces? How many know the Bible says that? How many know behind the scene world is an invisible world that's really, that's really calling the shots and, uh, and producing, uh, producing reasons that things happen. And those, one of those demonic forces, I believe, that has risen its head again is Baal. And Baal has a twin sister, Ashura, um, Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians. Uh, it's the same devil, the same demonic force all throughout the generations of time. And that part of the world has risen its head. And that, and that, that demonic force actually was worshipped uh, as a fertility god through rampant and perverted immorality uh, uh, in ways that I can't talk about on Sunday morning. How many hear me? It has risen its head worldwide, and we're dealing with a scourge from Baal worship today worldwide. There is a scourge of amor, uh, of uh, immorality that is rampant now. Even in America, it is as though we have thrown our morals to the wind and anything goes. Yes or no? 
I've also noticed, uh, I don't know how many people have mentioned something to me since uh, two weeks ago when I spoke, but I also talked about another false god named Molech that was worshipped thousands of years ago. And Molech uh, uh, had the head of an animal. If you ever see the statue, you can look it up on Google and see it. Then he had arms like this, and, and they would sacrifice their children to the god Molech. They would pass them, quote unquote, through the fire that put tar or pitch on the arm, set it on fire, and pass their children in dedication to the god Molech. That is rising up worldwide, and I've had several people, you can find it's happened in Europe in the last few months, a couple of years ago, they actually had a statue of Molech they unveiled in New York as they were celebrating something, I don't know. I did notice that New York is one of the states that passed uh, uh, abortion rights all the way up to full term. You can abort and kill a baby. Friends, that is the worship of Molech. I know it gets quiet when you talk about that, but it is. So we got some real challenges. Let me just talk about all these false gods, these demonic forces that have, have existed in humanity for thousands of years. They demand sexual immorality. So I wrote this in my notes just to make it very clear. So fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, pornography, any person involving themselves in pornography, or any other kind of illicit sex outside of the sex that the Bible condones, which is sex in the box called marriage, a man between a, mar- a marriage between a man and a woman. Any sex outside of that box is immorality. That's what the Bible says. Yes or no? And see, we're living in an age right now that the deception that you can do anything you want to do anywhere with anybody and it's okay and there's nobody that can tell you that you shouldn't. Friends, that is the deception of our day. And it's really a deception that's going to be probably the ruin of the American culture. Our culture was founded on on Judeo-Christian ethics. That That means the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes in the New Testament. How many hear me? and the writings of the apostles in the New Testament. When you get away from those things, every kind of perversion and filth that you can imagine and some things you can't imagine will come upon a culture and it will be that culture's demise. So deception is the order of the day. So um, I've got six things that I want to talk to you about today. Six points that will help you live above the deception of our day. I just mentioned the first one. Recognize that uh, that. Uh, deception is everywhere. Number two, I'm going to run right after it. Is that okay? Number two, uh, the Bible is the voice of God speaking. Now, I'm saying that on person. See how quiet purpose to see how quiet it got so let me ask you a question so here we are in a local church it's sunday morning and the rest of the world's outside the doors so so on i want you to be honest with me uh there's not right or wrong answers just your answer so i have a question for you and i want you to be honest with me and here's what i want you to do um if you believe the bible is the infallible word of god i want you to raise your hand now keep it raised up i want you to look around you most of the people in the auditorium are raising their hands because you can put them down now because they believe the Bible is the word of God. Did you know that outside of the walls of this building, only 40% of the people that you meet believe what you do? That means 60% of the people outside the walls of this building don't believe the Bible is the word of God. How many hear me? And if you don't believe the Bible is the Word of God, it has a direct effect 
on what you allow in your life and what you do with your life, yes or no, and how you treat your fellow man, yes or no. Huge effect. So let me just talk about how important this is. I learned this as a young boy, and it has stood me, it has stood the test of time in my 61 years of living and kept me, and kept me uh, in, in a way that I, I could have uh, fallen in a terrible way, but, but the grace of God lifted me up by believing this. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Everybody say inspiration of God. That's a compound word. The Greek language, uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. That's really a compound word. Uh, theos is the word for God in the Greek language. And uh, panustos, or really panuma, is the word for breath, wind, air. You put those together, theonus, theopanustos, it literally means God breathed. And you know what that really means? When he said all scripture is given by inspiration of God, here's what it literally means. The scriptures are as much the word of God as if God was standing in front of you and you could feel his hot breath on your face and you could feel some of his spittle hitting your face. That's how much the Bible is the Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So here's, what does that tell me as a believer? If I want to hear from God, I've heard people say, well, God ain't speaking to me. When's the last time you read your Bible? How many know every time you read the Bible, God is speaking to you? Here's what the Bible literally reveals about itself. The Bible is the infallible rule of faith and practice. And for centuries now, for almost 2,000 years, the church of Jesus Christ has believed in the verbal, full, plenary, or complete inspiration of the Bible. That is the 66 books Protestants recognize as the Bible. We don't have the Apocrypha in our Bible the way that the Catholics do. There are about 14 books uh, called the Apocrypha and we call those spurious writings because they don't agree with the rest of scriptures and the church fathers that when they were deciding which uh, which which scriptures that were written by the prophets or the apostles, which ones were to be added to the book called the Bible, they didn't pass the test. And so they were rejected. So we have 66 books that we call the Bible and we believe that the whole Bible is inspired. And if you believe that, here's what you believe. If I want God's to speak to me, I need to read what he's already said. Yes or no? So the Bible is the inspired word of God. In fact, you know, God breathed. The Bible is God breathed. Uh, it, it, it not only it not it is not only the the Word of God, but the Bible contains God's life and power. So let me show you what I mean. So so if I had a balloon and I stretched it out real good, you know, I'm at a birthday party for the kids, and, and I'm blowing out the balloon. And I got a big old balloon in front of me, envision a, a big yellow balloon, and there it is. And, and I put a little knot on the end of it, and I've got a balloon full of air from my lungs, right? What else is in that balloon? Me. Amen. My DNA is in that balloon. And you know what? God's life, his nature, his substance, who he is, is found in his word. 
And if you want God to speak to you, fall in love with the Word. When you fall in love with the Word, God will fall in love. The Holy Spirit will fall in love with you. And He'll talk to you and reveal Himself. The closer I get to Scripture, the closer I get to God. Yes or no? The closer I get to Scripture, the closer I get to the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? So wait a second, Peter chapter one, knowing this first that no prophecy, the word prophecy literally means inspired utterance. So when it says knowing this, that no inspired utterance of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy or inspired utterance never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. What is that verse in Second Peter uh, 1 revealing? It's revealing the fact that the Bible itself says that it is inspired. Here's the miracle of the Bible. Over an expanse of anywhere from 16 to 1800 years, according to who you, what's, which uh, theologians you read after, over an expanse of 16 to 1800 years, over, uh, 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 by, uh, by 40 different authors from the most unintelligent to the, the most educated of these persons' day, God used men to pin what he said. Here's what happened. Over a span of, of uh, not quite 2,000 years, here's men that God would come upon and the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And they had an urge to say something, but it didn't come from their mind. It came from something deeper. It came from, their, it came from God who was impressing on them words that they were to pin down. That's inspiration. Now, what's the miracle of the Bible? In its original languages, none of the Bible disagrees with anything else. It all agrees in the original scripture. All of it agrees. None of it disagrees. You'll never find 40 people over almost a 2,000 year period of time that are going to agree on everything ever. But that's the miracle of the Bible. The manuscripts of the Bible have, uh, I didn't say any of this first service and got to hurry. The manuscripts of the Bible, if you, can find, if you can find two or three manuscripts of a classical book, classical books like you'd read in literature when you go to, go to a high school or college, if you can find two or three of those manuscripts from a couple of thousand years ago, you say that, that's, that proves the veracity of that particular book. Did you know there are over 2,000 manuscripts of the Bible? that have endured the test of time and that we, that we had to show us the Bible is the Word of God. Did you realize that it, is, that, it, it, that it is the most bought book worldwide? More Bibles are sold than any other book by far, and it's been that way for a long, long time. There are a lot of natural cues that we have that the Bible really is inspired, and one of them is that it has lasted so very, very, very long. The problem, the challenge we have in American culture today is a large portion of, our, of the people in our culture, again, 60% don't believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And, and here's the telltale sign. A person can say, I believe the Bible is inspired. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. But if you don't do anything with it, and if you don't act like it's true and live by its dictates, then you really don't believe God spoke. Yes or no? Because if I really believe that the Bible is God's voice speaking to me, then when I read the precepts of Scripture and I'm challenged to do this, that, or the other, and I know this one thing I want to do, the Scripture says don't do it, and I do it anyway, that's proof positive that I don't believe the Bible's inspired. Because if I believe it's inspired, I'll do something about it. How many hear what I'm saying? 
And so James chapter 1, James is the half-brother of Jesus. James had this to say about the Word of God. He said, don't just listen to the Word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. He says you're deceiving yourself. If you hear what the Bible says, you read what it says, but you don't put it to practice. He went on to say, you're like a person who's shaving in the mirror, brushing his teeth. You see who you are in the bathroom mirror, but you go and forget that you got hair or don't have any hair and you forget to put a hat on your head when it's cold etc etc well no he said but if you do what the bible says you're not just a hearer but you're a practicer you're not only a hearer but you're a believer again if you believe the bible you put it into practice number three stand with truth if you want to steer clear of deception you'll not fall for deception deception without the word today how many know we can be deceived how many know the word is like a compass? Now, when I was a little, I was a little boy, mentioned this first service, I have this uncanny ability. I just know where I am all the time. I've never had a problem getting lost, et cetera. I just know, some people, they don't know north from west, you know. But me, I'm just not that way. We had a, a forest, a forest, big, huge forest behind my house when I was a little boy. And I spent a lot of time. I would go out sometimes with my little gun, sometimes without it. And I'd take my dog, but I'd just take off. And there were deer trails and rabbit trails and, you know, uh, little pathways, you know, throughout the forest. And I would just meander through the forest just doing what I do, you know. And, uh, and I never was concerned because I had a compass called the sun. And when I went into the forest, I looked and see where the sun was and what trajectory it was going in. And I just knew where I was based on, based on the sun. I just had an awareness, a self-awareness of where I was. Well, if you're not like me, you can also have a compass. And how many know a compass, as long as you know where true north is, you can figure out where you are based on a compass. How many know the Bible is your true north? The Bible is a compass. The Bible is like the sun. It gives you direction in life. And I found that to be true in my own life. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 31. If you continue in my word, it's one thing to start with him. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He said, it's not just beginning, but if you stay with my word, if you stick with it through thick and thin, when, it, when times are convenient or where it's inconvenient, whether people, you know, say things about you, criticize you, laugh at you because you simply believe the Bible. He said, if you just keep with it, he said, you really will be one of the people that are walking with me. Jesus said in John chapter 16, concerning the Holy Spirit, however, however when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. How many know there's something about the Holy Spirit? He loves the word of God. He's called the spirit of truth. And the more I get acquainted with the word, the more I get acquainted with the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit, again, I love the fact that Jesus is the living word. In John chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So it, it hooks God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit with the Word. Is that good? So if I want to get close to God, I get close to the Word. The further away from the Word I get, the further away from God I get, so says the Bible. Yes or no? So in my lifestyle, the further my lifestyle drifts from what the Bible says I should be doing with it, how many know the further I'm getting away from God? 
So you can see right now what's happening to American culture. We've drifted away from God into doing what we want to do. We'll talk about that with the next point. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. I read this uh, scripture many, many years ago. I was back in my early 20s. I had developed a habit of uh, jogging regularly. And I got up to uh, jogging five miles in 40 minutes. And I did it five out of seven days a week. And so I'd be out on the jogging trail and I was doing my thing, you know. And, and if you know anything about uh, athletics, when, you know, when you run out of your physical energy, you kind of quote unquote hit the wall and then you can receive another gust of energy. And that usually happened to me about, I don't know, two, a little over two miles into my run. And then I, I would get another extra burst of energy and move. Well, here's what I found out. I started a habit of meditating on Scripture. And uh, I started meditating on Scripture and uh, while I was r- running, and I found something rose up inside of me that seemed to give me extra energy. And one day, I was jogging, and I was thinking, oh, I forgot what scripture I was thinking on. Man, the Holy Spirit came on me, and I felt like Elijah running from Jezebel's cha- uh, her chariots. He, I was running, I run as fast as I could for as long as I could. I said, what in the world was that? Literally, the Holy Spirit rose up in me, and I found this verse of scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13, amplified classic version. And we also especially thank God continually for this. For when you received the message of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God which is effectually at work in you who believe. And then this, this part in brackets, exercising its superhuman power. In those who adhere to, trust in, and rely on it. I don't know if you realize that there's superhuman power in the Bible, in the Word of God. Why? Because it has God's DNA in it. When you ingest the Word, you're ingesting something of God Himself. If you want healing for your body, get in the Word that promises you healing. Proverbs chapter 4, my son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and medicine, health to all your flesh. There's something about the Bible that will quicken your physical body. The apostle Paul said in Romans 8, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead will quicken, make alive your death-doomed body by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. I have found that it'll keep your mind clean. The, the, the word of God will keep your emotions stable. All of us have emotions. Sometimes you feel down, you feel fickle, you feel low, you feel like nobody cares about you. You feel like you can never do anything right because of there's constant criticism on the left and on the right. But you know what I found out? If you live Live by the standard of Scripture. God says He loves you and that is the end result. If He loves me, then He does. If He says I'm accepted in the Beloved, then I am. If He says that nothing can separate me from the love of God, then nothing can. If He says, nay, in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror, not just a conqueror, I'm more than overcome, then you know what I do, even if it doesn't feel like I do. And I've been living 61 years and I can tell you I've had some pretty nasty times of life that it looked like nothing was right, nothing was going right, nothing, nothing was going my way. Well, you know what? You know what I found? I said, Father, regardless of what I see, feel, or think, here's what you said. Thank you for bringing it to pass. There's power in the Word of God. So um, also when I was young, I dedicated myself to knowing just what the Bible said and there are two scripture 
uh, from the Apostle John in his epistle, 1 John chapter 2, that really have meant a lot to me over these years is 1 John 2.20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know or understand all things, and you know the truth. Then 1 John 2.27, it says, but you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. You don't need anyone to teach you what is true or truth. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he, te- excuse me, what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. You know what those two verses are saying? If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and you've got a firm foundation of God's Word in your thinking capacities, you know what? You know what it says? When deception comes, you'll know it. The crazy thing is a lot of people today are deceived and don't know they are. Well, here's the deal. If I don't know the scriptures, I won't know whether or not I'm deceived. Yes or no? Which leads me to point number four. Humanism has taken the place of the Bible in American culture. Now, this is a sad, a sad fact. Again, if you think about going out the doors of the building, 60% of the people that you come in contact with, whether you're going to school, you work a job, or in your leisure hours, 60% of the people we come across uh, do not believe the Bible is the Word of God. And if you don't believe that, then you have swallowed the belief system called humanism. And basically, if you wrap it up, uh, a simple definition of humanism is, I am the center of all things. Everything exists for me and my pleasure. I do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it, for as long as I want to do it. And nobody should say anything about it. There are no moral absolutes because there is no God. There's only, there's only humans. And we do what we want to do without any outside interference from any kind of moral laws. That's humanism. Now that is in Every institution of learning that is secular in our nation right now, all the way from kindergarten up through graduate school. How many hear what I just said? So if you, have, if you, are, if you are young and you're in school, you face humanistic attitudes and belief systems every single day in the classroom from your professors, and you have the pressure to acquiesce to that, yes or no? And, you know, I agree, I I believe that uh, in the uh, school systems, elementary, middle, high school, I think we do have some really godly principles. We have some godly teachers, and they want to do the right thing in a skewed system. How about give it up for the really good school teachers that may be here today? How about give them a hand? Thank you. There's tremendous pressure in the school system to bow to humanism. Uh, you know, the secular institutions of learning in our country, they've taken God and the Bible and relegated it to classic literature of the past where it has no life, it has no power, and it should not, and it should not be used as a direction for life. Now, if you've got, again, if you're, if you're young and you're in college, that's what you're facing every day. If you're older and you have children in college that's, or school, that's what they're facing every day unless the school principal is a godly person. How many hear what I'm saying? But there's pressure from above to go the humanistic way. How many hear me? And then if you have grandchildren in school or college in secular venues of learning, humanism is the, is the belief system that they're challenged with every single day. And what I found out is that most, 
Most young people today kowtow to the humanistic attitudes. There are four basic foundations for humanism. Real quickly, you could spend the whole time on this, but I just don't have time. There are four pillars that form humanism. Number one is atheism. Belief, the belief that there is no God. I want to say that anybody who says they are an avowed atheist, they have a problem in life, they're upset about, or they have something they want to do that the moral laws of God say you can't. And so they say, well, there is no God, so they're not answerable to him. How many know you'll answer to him anyway? Atheism, evolution. If you don't believe there is a God, then you believe in evolution. Evolution is, is the belief system that we evolved or came from lower forms of matter and that we just simply evolved from one cell, two cell, et cetera, et cetera, up till the wonderful human race that we have today. The problem with that is that doesn't bear record in, in, uh, in science if you go look at history, atheism, evolution, and then atheism, evolution give way to relativism or relative values. Relative values means there is nothing that is standard. There is nothing that is absolute truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth is what you need it to be in this particular situation with this particular person, with this particular uh, uh, event. So truth is relative to you and your social situation. That's called relativism. That gives birth to, gives vent to amorality uh, in, in uh, English. If you put an A in front of a word, it makes it the exact opposite. So morality is having a moral standard or a moral code of conduct. Amorality means there are no morals. There is no moral compass. There is no moral standard. So again, humanism, atheism, evolution, relativism, or relative values, and amorality, those are the end results of taking God out of a culture. And my friends, we're having problems in America today because we've taken God out of our culture and we say that he does not matter and we are in a downward spiral the likes of which most of us my age have never seen. Young people, people that are in their teens, 20s, 30s don't really understand how much our nation has fallen. But if you're a little bit older, you say, what in the world is going on? Why are things the way they are? And it's because the Bible is not, is not espoused or valued as the Word of God. Rick Renner uh, mentioned this two weeks ago. He's got a book he just uh, came out with, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Uh, I met Rick when I lived in Tulsa, and he's a prolific author. He lives in Moscow, and he really got uh, television broadcast all over Moscow. He's got a big church in Moscow. And Rick is a wonderful writer. I've got five quotes from him that I don't have time to give all five quotes, but I want to give you a couple of them because it bears to the point of the fact that of the challenges that we're having with moral relativism and relative values and humanism in America and the fact that 60% of Americans don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. And that's the challenges we face as believers today. So here's what he says. First quote, he says this. I'm going to do number one here, uh, Sean. As a result, the Word of God has been demoted and relegated to a diminished position in the modern mindset as just one option among many. Rick says, according to this inclusive mindset, everyone is right and no one is wrong. 
And then he goes on to say, unfortunately, in the Western world, there's not, that's, uh, this is not just the mindset of those outside the church. This is the way many Christians are leaning as well. So I don't know how many people have said to me, you shouldn't be judging this person or that person for doing this or believing that. Who are you to judge? Well, see, anybody that thinks that when you mention something the Bible says that you should or didn't, shouldn't do is judging someone, that, that thought pattern itself comes from moral relativism. It comes from humanism. And it's seeping into our institutions of learning and from that into our culture. And it's driving our culture slowly but surely away from Judeo-Christian values. That is the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes and the writings of the New Testament by the apostles. Those are the things that made our nation great because they pushed us away from self-centeredness. How many hear what I'm saying? It's an amazing, amazing thing that God has done in our culture and it being founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Uh, Rick Renner goes on to say, this is quote number two, honor for the Bible has been largely lost in our culture today. Without a doubt, there is a culture of authentic biblical honor that has been nearly lost in this last day society. He goes on to say, it has been redirected and redefined under the guise of inclusivism that respects everyone with being right, except those who hold fast and carefully guard biblical morals and absolutes. And then the very last quote that is on that page there, uh, Sean, it says, once a person has concluded that there is no absolute truth, that person has also reached another conclusion by default. Listen to this, that no one has the moral authority to bring correction to someone else regarding faith, truth, and belief. Now you wonder why our nation's in the state it is. When you leave the Bible, when you leave the Word of God, it opens the door right open for these belief systems that believe that anything can go. So now we espouse any lifestyle as appropriate. And you know what happens? We're actually worshiping at the altar of Baal. Let me make this comment. And uh, I think the scriptures will back it up, seeing that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. For instance, any person that used deception as a way to disseminate information, they are, they, are being, they are being dominated by demonic spirits. Yes or no? Any person that has any form of sex outside of the, uh, of the uh, heterosexual male-female relationship ordained by God is actually worshiping at the altar of demon spirits, perhaps Baal. Did you hear what I just said? So man, when you get away from the Bible, you're opening up a culture to a cesspool of huge problems that never, ever, ever turn out right. How many hear what I'm saying? When I was a little boy, these things were just beginning. I was in high school and I was 14 years of age when I was introduced to smoking pot, taking drugs. And I had friends of mine that um, opened that door for me because the idea was do what you want to do when you want to do it. And don't let anybody tell you what to do because that was the culture of the time in the early 70s. And I started doing some of that. Let me just tell you, the end result of doing what you do whenever you want to do it to the disregard of the Bible, the end result is absolute abysmal failure. 
Every culture that's taken the Bible and thrown it away, that culture has redefined itself and has always failed. The guys that I did drugs with, listen, the guys that led me into smoking pot and doing various other drugs, just in my early teen years, listen, these guys, uh, my best friend uh, committed suicide age 39, uh, 39, and then I had several other friends that did a good portion of their life in prison. I just had one friend in the last two years that died who spent most of his life in prison and when he died he was living in his mom and dad's house and he was 60 years old don't tell me that living as if there is no God with no moral standards will do you good in life I've seen different how many hear me Having said all of that, number five, every believer needs the truth filter of a pastor in a local church yes or no uh, many believers today were neglecting church services and just listening to whoever or whatever on the internet. Now, you know, we've got a live internet feed and every Sunday morning we have several hundred people watching. I think that's a wonderful thing. If you're traveling, you're homebound, you can't come, etc. But let me, but hear me very clearly. If you use the internet feeds as a substitution for being in attendance bodily in a local church, you're missing God. One of the main ways is there's no filter in your life to filter all of the things that we hear and see on the internet. How many hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of truth out there, but not, not all of it's real. Yes or no? A lot of it's poison and it needs to be filtered. Furthermore, uh, go, attending a local church is not only advantageous for me as an individual, but if I got children, I'm setting a stage and a standard for my children when I bring my children to a brick and mortar building that houses what we call the church of Jesus Christ. How many hear me? When I bring my children there, I'm saying that God is important, the Bible is important, Jesus is important, and I'm giving them opportunities to ingest something other than the humanistic philosophies that are in their school books, yes or no? So the less my children are in, school, in church, then the more the cultural, the cultural things that are going on right now will influence their life and behavior. Is that true? So should we be bringing our children to church more, not less? So how many know parents need to be challenging their kids? You know, if you're a grandparent, if you're a parent, and if you're a younger person and you're in school, you need to challenge what you read. Just because that professor says you've got to memorize X, Y, Z and spit it out in a test doesn't mean you have to believe that that stuff is real. Uh, my kids are all finished college. They're all in their careers. But you know what? They would come back from college and say, you know what they said today? I said, tell me what they said. They'd read something to me and say, you know that's a bunch of junk. say, I know it, but I got I to gotta do this if I'm going to pass the test. Well, as long as you know you don't imbib that as something that you need to live by, right? And how many know parents, you need to watch what your children are being taught in school and refute it every time that, it's ne that it needs to be refuted? How many hear me? Need to be attending PTA meetings. Need to be challenging the teachers and the authorities in school to change. Oh, it's quiet in this denominational church today. Huh? Grandparents, goes the same. Challenge your children. Challenge your grandchildren. Challenge them, talk to them. Every believer needs the truth filter of a pastor in a local church. I mean, look at it like this. You got, fil you got filters in your car. You got an oil filter. I'm getting ready to have the oil changed in my Toyota truck this week. Got an oil filter. Got an air filter. Got a cabin filter. Do you? Sure you do. You got, you got furnace filters at home. You got a, you got a filter on your, on your refrigerator. Do you? What do filters do? 
They remove contaminants so you can get the pure. What does a filter do in spiritual things? The local church pastor is supposed to be a filter. Acts 20, verse 28. So guard yourselves, the apostles Paul said to pastors at a pastor's meeting in Ephesus. So guard yourselves in God's people. Feed and shepherd. That word shepherd means be a guide. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. My job is to hear from God, preach the word, and help you guide your life into God's plan as you rightly divide his word into who you are, how you live, and what you do in your relationships. Yes or no? Hebrews 10, 25, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meetings together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. So he's saying not, not less, but more we need to be getting together as believers as we see the coming of Jesus uh, coming uh, real close. Number six, pastoral teaching in a local church will keep you away from poison. How many hear what I'm saying? Now again, there's poison. Just because it's in print don't mean it's true. I had somebody, this was years ago, and this person, I think it was when I was in Oklahoma and I was in my late 20s and I was counseling someone and this person made this comment to me. I couldn't believe, I don't have any water. Well, you'll have a dry pastor today. I could not believe, just throw it to me. <laughs> I'm good. Hey, thank you. Um, I could not believe what this person said. You know, sit down, we're talking, you know. And this person said, well, I just figured if it was in print, it was true. I said, you crazy. <laughs> I was thinking, you idiot. <laughs> I realized that. An idiot is defined as a person with an IQ of less than 60. So if you believe everything in print and everything you hear, you are one deceived person. Uh, there's poison out there. And there's spiritual poison in the atmosphere today. It's really crazy. Uh, one of the poisons is, uh, is an emphasis today on what some term hyper-grace or grace that goes to the extreme and covers every lifestyle as being okay. If it's something you really do need want to do, God understands your urges and desires, and He just kind of pats you on the back and says that you'll be okay, and you get to go to heaven. Now that's what some term hyper grace. Uh, Michael Brown and others, I think, have pretty much coined that. Uh, that term hyper grace, it emphasizes grace and minimizes repentance and change. The underlying thought behind hyper grace is you can live any way you desire and the love of God will carry you right into heaven. Now, friends, that pervades Christianity in America today. Jesus talked about the wheat and the weeds. He gave parables that uh, the wheat and the weeds will grow together in his kingdom. But just before he returns and when he comes back, he's going to harvest the wheat and he's going to bring the weeds and put them into an, an inescapable fire and the uh, wheat refers to believers and the weeds refer to unbelievers and what Jesus said is in the church in his kingdom before he comes back there'll be people that are wheat believers and there'll be weeds people who say they're believers but they don't act like believers because their lifestyle is not a believer's lifestyle and friends we're living in that day today and we desperately need uh, something that can ref 
refute the false doctrine. That's why God put pastors in local churches and leaders in local churches to guide and direct and help the flock understand what the Bible teaches and how to apply it to daily life. How many hear me? Two scriptures and we're done. Here's the Passion Translation of 2 Timothy 4, talking about the day perhaps we're living in today. Timothy, God said, in the presence of our great God and Lord Jesus Christ, the one who destined, who is destined to judge both the living and dead, I solemnly instruct you, proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion, preach it when it's convenient and when it's not. How many know it's not convenient to preach when people don't like what you're saying? That's what he said. Preach the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to healing words of truth because they will uh, become selfish and proud. They'll seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desire, saying just what they want to hear. They'll close their ears to truth and not believe anything but fables. And let me tell you, over the years of time, I've had a lot of people come to listen to me. And when I challenge sin, when I challenge wrong, I've had people sometimes get up in the middle of what I'm saying and leave. You know why? Because they can go find a church down the street that'll, that'll give them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. One thing I'll promise here is, I'm not going to give you what you want, I'll give you what you need. And if you, what you want is what you need, then you're in a great place. How many hear me? Lastly, here's uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. Here's Elisha. He has a bunch of prophets uh, that are with him. And they were hungry, so he said one of the young prophets said, go make some stew. So he goes out, you know, in the meadow and he pulls some, he, he you know, he gathers some uh, some vegetables and this and that and the other. And he throws it in a pot, probably with some lamb or whatever. And he cooks all the other prophets in the house some stew. They started eating the stew and they started getting sick. And, uh, and they said, Elisha, there's poison in the pot. This guy did not know what he was doing. He thought he was pulling good weeds, but they were poisonous weeds. And we've eaten them. We don't want to die. And Elisha said, it'll be all right. He's the man of God. He takes some wheat. He throws it into the pot. And, and, and by faith, God caused the pot of poison to become normal. They ate some of that, and it pushed the poison right out of their body. That's the local church. That's the pastor of the local church. And friends, like this one, find the one that teaches and preaches the word. How many hear what I'm saying? And anybody that's right and preaches and preaches and teaches Bible truth, they just won't, they won't base what they say on one isolated scripture. It will agree with the whole of the Bible. The Bible calls it the whole counsel of God. When I preach something, challenge what I say. Challenge what I teach. Challenge what I preach. If you can't can't find more than one or two, if you can't find more than one scripture that says it, then I don't need to be saying it. Challenge what I say. Pastor, I never heard that. Where'd you get that? And if I can't tell you thus says the Lord from scripture, I don't need to be saying it. So challenge me. I want to encourage you. How many hear me? When you're listening to something on the internet, friends, you better be careful. There's a lot of books. I mean, in 1450, Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press. He was a goldsmith. And from there, there are more books than can ever be read now. Huh? So you got to be very selective and be careful with what you read. There's a monitor inside called the Holy Spirit. And God has given the local church pastors. They're to be shepherds and guides and they're to help us.